seems almost, think about this, this world seems almost to freeze on one day. Celebrating the birth of the Savior. Amen? So I have a question as believers. How much attention do we really give to the story of Christmas? To this amazing story we're about to embark on. What? Come on. Once a year at Christmas time, we give attention to this story, right? Think about this. Once a year, we cook meals for family gatherings and parties, decorating our homes, listen, with beautiful lights and ornaments. Amen? Now, don't we do that? I hope we do that, right? The question is, should we stop all those traditions? No. We don't need to stop those traditions. Those are beautiful traditions. Those are wonderful traditions in their proper perspective and proper place. What a great time to get together, enjoying the Christmas season, embracing our families and our friends and our church family. I just think it's just a wonderful thing. Listen, all because of the love we have for one another as we should have love for one another. That's why we do these things. Because we love each other. We love each other. We do the live nativity because we love Jesus and we love one another. We come into this house because we love each other. It's so good to be a part of the family of God. We sing that song. We shake hands. We hug each other. They're sincere, genuine hugs. Don't ever take that for granted, right? But this is important this morning. This is important this month. Listen, we must take time to remember what Christmas is all about. Amen? We should do that. Have you ever asked God, why did you do it this way? Why the nativity? And listen, if you're here today, you're cordially invited this Friday at 7 p.m. to watch the movie called Why the Nativity. We're going to have a big screen up here, and it's going to be free. And for all of our church family, we're going to have a dinner uh, before it starts at 6 o'clock, and then the movie's going to start probably at 7. All right? So I want to encourage you to come out. And we had so many people come to the Nativity, man. They were very interested in seeing this movie. And it's done, if you know, uh, Dr. David Jeremiah, he kind of he helped uh, lead in the producing of this movie. Uh, it's from a book that he wrote called Why the Nativity. So we're going to focus on Why the Nativity for the month of December. And we're hoping that through the story of Christmas, through the story of the Nativity, that people will come to know Christ Jesus the Savior. And listen, and maybe some of you, some of us, myself included, listen, will just uh, not take for granted this precious, precious story of the nativity. Amen? Amen? I mean, think about this. If Jesus had not come, there would not be a nativity. Man, there wouldn't be Jesus' ministry. There wouldn't be all the miracles that took place. Man, there wouldn't be a, a sacrifice for you and I. There wouldn't be a resurrection from the tomb. So this story is very vital for all of us to pay attention to. Amen? It very much is. Listen, this story in our Bible is much more than just a good story. It's a reality about hundreds of Old Testament prophecies fulfilled over hundreds of years. And I know you have your note sheets, so you're going to take some notes this morning. It's dedicated for each and every one of us. These stories are dedicated for each and every one of us in this room to give us even more assurance than we've already had. Hopefully as we go into these prophecies, listen, from Genesis and Isaiah and Micah, our Bible is filled with prophecies that concern the coming of a king. In fact, the coming of the king over every king there ever was and ever will be. There's only one true king. Amen. The Messiah, the Savior, Jesus Christ. 
These ancient manuscripts speak not only of his coming, though, and this is the interesting thing about it, but also of how he would come. How would Jesus come? Think about the very pinpoint location of his birth in Bethlehem, where he came from, his lineage, his life, and also his very death. This story begins in a garden, and it ends in an empty tomb. Think about this this morning. Our need for a sacrifice to cover our sins once and for all time and eternity. This story is about all of God's people and our need for the Savior. This is what it's about. It's a story about rescue. Who here needed to be rescued? Amen. I know I need to be rescued. We all need to be rescued, right? And our rescuer is Jesus Christ himself. It's our salvation. Listen, before time began, God sovereignly and supernaturally had a plan for the birth of his son. Before the foundation of the world, this was all planned out. God already knew that this was going to happen. There are many characters in this story from all walks of life, just like you and me. Isn't that amazing? Listen, all kinds of unique and different personalities. Amen? Are we not different? Amen. Amen. All those in the room about us, we are all different, right? God made it way. God designed, right? Think about it. If you were married, the girl who never knew a man, a virgin, for nine months carrying a baby, the son of a living God. Think about this. Think about the shock in all of her life as she experienced this announcement from the angel. Think about Joseph and her childhood friend. Listen, betrothed by their parents as he becomes this faithful and loyal husband to her. Think about those supernatural angels, messengers from God, heralding the announcements to this couple individually. Isn't that amazing, the stories when you start looking at them? We want to dive a little closer and look at them. Listen, think about the mystery of their hearts concerning these things as they ponder them all in their hearts. How precious is that, right? All the human emotions are going crazy wild for these two. Just think about that. This is of all the fantastic scenes surrounding this fantastic story. Our Messiah born outdoors. In a simple, listen, a simple borrowed manger. Simple borrowed, the king of every king. Think on all the lonely shepherds sitting around the fire in the dark. They didn't have electricity to have light like you. They had a fire, probably a fire, and that was it. Think about those lonely, smelly sheep, right? And the lonely shepherds smelling with the sheep. The loneliest of all people. And what does God do? He sends myriads of angels. He sends an angel as a messenger. Then he sends myriads of angels that light up the entire sky that freak these poor boys out. I promise you. Freak them out. They didn't need to be afraid. That's why I said, fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy for all people. That includes you and I. It's really an amazing thing. Think about the astronomers, the magi, traveling from very far distant lands. Following this bright, distant star, leading them all the way to Bethlehem, right? It's a prophecy. The story is undoubtedly the greatest story ever told, amen? This is the greatest story ever told. Listen, folks, and the best part is that we are all part of the story. Isn't that a beautiful thing? You and I get front row seats to this story. We're going to get front row seat. When we leave here, we've been speaking in Revelation, when we get snatched out of this world, listen, you're going to have a front row seat. That's right. You're going to see the king in his glory. 
You're going to see, you're going to see a lot of judgment come down to those who have deaf ears and don't want to hear it in hard hearts. Two is going to be so sad. But at the same time, listen, the king is who he is. This is why we need to warn people about who he is. So let's take this month of December to celebrate because we rediscover the passion in us for all the beauty and the majesty and the divine elements of the real Christmas story. Amen? We're going to do that. This was the most pivotal moment in all of history where we would acknowledge that this has to be and only can be a work of Almighty God. And you're going to see this. You're going to experience that. And it's going to start this morning as, you, as we dive into his word. So let's begin our first part. So why did Jesus become a man? That's the title of this message. Why did Jesus become a man? Here's point number one. Jesus became a man to satisfy the prophecies in the Old Testament. To satisfy the prophecies in the Old Testament. I've talked about this many times before. And a lot of people don't understand it really. In fact, there's a lot of people that say the New Testament is the, like the most important. The Old Testament is, is, is past history. No, the Old Testament is probably more relevant than you think than the New Testament is. They're all relevant. Both of them are relevant. Jesus made sure that the Old Testament was, uh, was definitely preached, taught, and shared among the world. It was so important that Jesus made sure of that. And we're going to see that this morning. Before Jesus was even born, there were many prophecies written about him for all of us. Centuries of books, of scriptures that have been recorded or written down for our benefit and revelation of who God is. We are talking hundreds of years. I'm not talking about one or two. I'm talking about hundreds of years. Listen, before Jesus even came Physically to this earth. Before he came. We are talking hundreds of years before he came. These scriptures foretold that he, Messiah, Jesus Christ, was going to come. In fact, Jesus himself taught this to his disciples. He did. Let's read it. Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Listen to it. Luke 24, 44. He said, Now he, Jesus, he being Jesus, said to them, these are my words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. <clears throat> Look at this. Isn't this is a wonderful thing. Look at this. He's, Jesus is verifying the scripture of the Old Testament. Is the scripture, is the Bible reliable? Amen? And he says the Old Testament. Hey, listen. Listen, I want to open your mind to what the Old Testament law and the prophets have to say. And that's what he does. If you remember, Jesus came not to what? Abolish the law, but to do what? Fulfill the law. Did he not fulfill the law? Absolutely he fulfilled the law. Remember the two men on the road to Emmaus? Man, I love this. Jesus, get this. Jesus is crucified. He's raised from the dead. All of a sudden he appears, resurrected. And he appears for 40 days. He's walking around. He's appearing to his disciples. He's appearing to people all over. And there are these two dudes are walking down this dusty road. And they're talking about all the events that took place of Jesus being crucified and dying, being buried, and all this kind of stuff. They're thinking about probably even the, even the prophetic words that he, Jesus himself even said that in three days I would rise again. They're talking about all these things. 
And guess who shows up with these two guys? Jesus just shows up. He just shows up. And they don't even recognize who he is. Because he's in a glorified state. Listen, he can, he can do that. You know, we're going to be like that one day. And so here he is walking, tooling down the road with these two guys as they're discussing about all the events that took place. And here they're talking about all kinds of things. And then they get down the road and they decide to sit down and, and have, uh, have breakfast with him. And listen, and he says in Luke 24, verse 25, this is, and he said to them, because they, they, were, they, were, they were doubting. They were doubting about everything. They saw their Savior die on the cross. And this is where their position was. And then Jesus comes along, he says, and he said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all, listen, the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. Is the Old Testament important here? Absolutely important. Jesus is expounding the Old Testament, starting with Moses all the way through the prophets and the minor prophets and major prophets, the book of Psalms, Ecclesiastes, all those things. He's explaining to them. He's helping them to understand what the Old Testament talked about. It's so wonderful. Scriptures foretelling of the very events that these two men have experienced that whole weekend. That Christ was on the cross. I'm telling you, this is an amazing story. It's amazing. Events that you and I will get to experience. It's going to be unfathomable what we are going to experience. Let's look at the book of Isaiah. It was written, get this now, it was written 740 years before Jesus came on the scene. 740 B.C. is when this book was written. So about 740 years B.C., the book of Isaiah, these guys knew that Jesus would be born a virgin. You hear me? They knew he would be born a virgin. Isaiah 7, 14 said it. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name what? Amen. Emmanuel. That is God with us. Amen? And he's with us now. He's with us this very moment. He's with us. We know that the teenager Mary, listen, was a virgin, chosen by God to usher in the Savior of all mankind, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. We even knew where the Messiah would be born. 700 years before Christ, we knew where he would be born. Look at Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Micah 5, verse 2. Listen to what it said. Moses, write it down. I'm on the screen for you. Micah 5, 2 says, But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephraim, listen, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, listen, one will go forth for me to be the ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity, before the foundation of the world. And when the Bible talks about before the foundation of the world, talking about eternity, it's before time and space. Amen. At the very beginning, time and space for us, it started in the garden. We're talking about this is long before he created anything. Long before. God is saying this right here. He said this was known before time and space. Listen, we also heard of things that would happen because of his birth. Because of his birth, certain things would happen. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15, listen to this. He says, thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah. 
lamentation and bitter weeping. Hear me. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. And you look and say, Rachel was Jacob's favorite wife. Did you know that? In the Old Testament, she died giving birth to who? To Benjamin in Genesis 35, 18. Listen, she is also referred to as the mother of all ten northern tribes of Israel since her descendants Ephraim and Manasseh were heads of the two leading tribes in that region. Listen, you may think how odd to choose this scripture in reference to the Old Testament prophecy about Jesus. Seems kind of odd, but let's just see how relevant this prophecy is to our narrative of the life of Jesus Christ. If you remember approximately two years beyond the birth of Jesus, there were these wise men, these magi, right? Coming from far away. It took them a ways to get there following the brilliant star which rested upon Bethlehem. That's why our, our major scenes are not quite accurate because if the kings are there, they weren't there until Jesus was a toddler. So I hate to ruin the verse that bubble for you, but it is. That's true. So they came. So they took them a ways to get there. So that they followed the brilliant star which rested upon Bethlehem where Jesus was. They stopped and visited Herod the Great as they came into Jerusalem to ask him about the birth of the Messiah. Herod asked the Magi to come back to him once they found the child so he could go and do what? Worship him. That's what Herod said. To worship him. But we know that Herod had an evil heart. He had an evil, wicked heart. We know that through history. He had so many different people killed. His own family members killed. He was evil and he was wicked. But here's what happened. But the Magi did not return to tell him when they found him. Is that not a divine moment? Yeah. It is. They just went home. <laughs> and they bypassed King Herod. Look at Matthew 2. Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. Through 18, it says, Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, it says he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi, uh, Magi's appearance. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet, which we just read, was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because there they were no more. So see here, a direct line is running from where? From this New Testament directly back to Jeremiah. A direct line of prophecy that it was fulfilled. How could anybody know that this would happen? I'm telling you, these prophecies are amazing. Connecting the dots of prophecy from last to present at the time of Jesus. So Jesus became a man to satisfy the prophecies, right? In the Old Testament. Listen, there were over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament written about the coming of Messiah. It was a fact. And there was a mathematician that calculated this. He said, you know what the chances of them coming all being fulfilled was like 1 in 83 billion. 1 in 83 billion. That's amazing. Listen, the second thing we looked at, number two that we look at is, listen, Jesus became a man to show us the Father. He came to show us the Father. Jesus was sent to do what his Father asked him to do, his will. 
Which means that Jesus and God, listen to this, are co-equals. You hear me? They're co-equals. One and the same, yet in different separate persons. Don't ask me how that works. Only God knows. But it works. I'm thankful. Right? So you think about this. John 1, in John 1, 1, 2, said, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, right, the Father. And the Word was God. And it says, He, Jesus, and then He was in Jesus, right? Bringing, uh, bringing with God. Beginning with God. God was in the world and became, listen, and became, listen, in His tent, His skin, He dwelt among us. God became flesh Man. and dwelt among us. What an amazing thing. In fact, that means they're co-equal. Listen to what Jesus said, though. In John 14, 7, he said, If you have known me, he said, you would have known my Father also. He said, from now on you know him, and you have, what? Seen him. So, so now the next verse is, it shares Philip's thoughts. One of the disciples, Philip's, write about this. John 14, 8, 9, he says, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus, I can imagine shaking his head, said to him, Have I been with you so long, right? Been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen, here's a plainly draw the picture out. He had draw it out, get this picture. If you have seen me, Philip, you have seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is an important principle for all of us to understand. Jesus, once again, plainly tells disciples that he and the Father are one. Here we have Jesus as God in the body. Amen? He has flesh and blood as we do, yet he was still God. How amazing. He is telling Philip here, if you want to know God, then what he is, he, he is like he, he looks just like me. That's what he's really saying. He said, he is, listen, he is telling he says he is like, he like just, just, just like me. We are one and the same is what Jesus is saying. The Father is in him and he is in the Father. This is why Jesus makes the statement, if you want to become a Christian in John 14, 6, he says, I'm the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life. He said, no man comes to the Father but who? By Jesus Christ. That's the only way it comes. It's very exclusive. Right? There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to God. There's only one way to the King of Kings. There's only one way to Jesus. And you've got to go through Jesus to get there. And listen, and the world hates this message. The world doesn't agree with this message. They think there's many roads that lead to heaven. But there isn't. There's only one way. And Jesus is the Amen. Never forget that. Never forget that. He is the way. So Jesus came to satisfy the prophecies of the Old Testament. Jesus also became a man to show us the Father, right? Number three, Jesus became a man to save us from our sins. To save us from our sins. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Paul, he says, I'm the chiefest among all sinners. That's Paul, right? We could probably all say that, amen? We had to have an unblemished God-man. There had to be an unblemished God-man to save all of us. And that is who Jesus is. He's the God-man. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? The death. The wages for our sin is death. We must die. 
And God cannot renege on his promises. He cannot renege on his promises, which means he had to die. He sent his only begotten son the perfect sacrifice for you and I. God himself had to die for you and for me. Think about that, friend. That's deep. You hear me? Why? Because we know back in Genesis in the garden that when God created things, what did he give man? Dominion over everything. Right? So God took the responsibility to put it on man. To have dominion over the world. And what happened? Man sinned. And he said, if you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. And so God could not lie. There was a man that had to die. Who was that man going to be that had to die? He sent his son Jesus to take that death for you and for me. Because God's character is true. This is why the birth and nativity is so powerfully important for us to understand. God's integrity and character on the line here. What he said, he meant what he said. And he says what he means. And he sent his only son to die for you and for me. Very trustworthy statement. Listen, no human on earth can satisfy the penalty of death on earth but Jesus. We're staying. We have no ability to remove sin. None. And God cannot lie. And God's holy. And he is faithful. And he does never go back on his word. He sent his only son to die for you and for me. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There is so much scripturally to this. There is so much throughout the scripture to this. And it's like a, a, a Pastor David Jeremiah, he said, he put it this way. He says, we have, we had to have a God-man to save us. And because Jesus was God and man, he lifted up one hand and took hold of the Father. And with the other, he reached down and took hold of man. And at the cross, in a moment of time, he brought them all together. He brought us together. And now with his hands reaching out, he offers his salvation to all who will come. That's what Jesus did. The reason Jesus came was to forgive and forget all of our sins. Not some of our sins, all of our sins. Past sins, present sins, future sins. God forgives you. Get over yourself. Some of you think you can't be forgiven for what you've done in your past. You're alive. You're well. Get over yourself. Don't think you're so bad you can't be forgiven. Jesus forgives if you were just giving the opportunity and chance to forgive you. He's already forgiven you. He was crucified 2,000 years ago with all your sin on his body 2,000 years ago. He's not crucified over and over again. One time for all time. That's Jesus that we have, sir. This is the nativity, folks. This is Christmas. This is what we're talking about this morning. And it's wonderful. Number four. You know, Jesus came to satisfy, to show us the Father, to save us from our sins. And number four, Jesus became a man. Listen to this. I love this. To sympathize with our weaknesses. He sympathizes with you. He sympathizes with me and our weaknesses. He knows we're weak. What did he tell the disciples that fell asleep in the garden? What did they tell them? You couldn't even stay awake for one stinking hour. He didn't say stinking hour. But he didn't say that. I would say that. Come on, guys. What's up with you? What's wrong with you? Can't you stay awake for one hour? We ate too much at the Last Supper. I understand. I get it. But no, but they couldn't stay awake for one hour. And then the statement, the, what? The flesh is willing? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's right. The spirit is willing, 
but the flesh is weak. And that's what we have here. In Hebrews chapter 4, listen how he sympathizes with us. Verse 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest, but Jesus is our high priest. There's only one high priest, and it's Jesus Christ. No other. He's the mediator between God and man, Christ Jesus. He's our high priest. We cannot, listen, who cannot sympathize with our, with our who, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet he alone is without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive what? Mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Grace, unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. Nothing you can do. He gives it to you free, free for the asking. It's amazing. Jesus came the way he did to experience the humanness of the flesh, to know what temptations felt like, to experience our joys, experience our happinesses, our successes, but also, most importantly, our hurts and our pains and our tears and the sorrow and the death. He experienced all those things just like you and I do. He knows what we go through. And even more so, for he alone experienced aloneness like you and I will never experience with Christ. We'll never be as alone as Christ was when he was hanging on the cross with all your sin in mind. In fact, listen to this story here. I thought this was a very intriguing story. Dr. Maxwell Maltz is a plastic surgeon. He tells of a man who had been injured attempting to save his parents in a terrible fire. His elderly parents died in that fire. And he was burned over a great part of his body, his face badly disfigured. He mistakenly interpreted, listen, what had happened to him as some sort of punishment from God for not having gotten his parents out safely. In his anguish, he refused to let anyone see him, not even his wife. So she went to see Dr. Maltz for help. He said, he said, I can fix him. I can fix him. But she knew her husband would turn down any offer of plastic surgery. When she visited him again, he asked why she had come. And she said, I want you doctor to disfigure my face so that I can be like him. If I can share in his pain, then maybe he will let me back in his life. <laughs> Maltz wrote, he said, I had never heard anything like that in my life. I had always been paid to help people look better. She wanted me to make her look like her husband. He wouldn't do it, but he decided to go and tell her husband what she had said. He knocked on the man's door and said loudly, I am a plastic surgeon and I want you to know that I can restore your face. There was no response. Please come out, he said. Again, no answer. Still speaking through the door, Dr. Maltz told the man of his wife's proposal. She wants me to disfigure her face, to make her face like yours in the hope that you will let her back into your life. That's how much she loves you. There was a brief moment of silence. And then ever so slowly, the doorknob began to turn. Listen, folks. The way that woman felt about her husband is the way that God feels about all of us. Listen, he took our face and our disfigurement 
Don't think you can't ever be saved. He takes all the ugly parts of your life and he can make them brand new. And you might not forget them, but you can always have them as a reminder of where God brought you from. That's right. As God brings us all from all kinds of skeletons in all of our closets over Amen. time. Amen? And he renews our spirit. He renews our life. He saves our life. He redecorates our life from the inside out. He became a man, so God would become, listen to this, touchable, right here your three spaces, touchable, approachable, and reachable. That's the God we serve. He's touchable, approachable, and reachable. He is Emmanuel, which is God with us. Amen? That's so good. Whatever you have been through, you can be sure that God has been, listen, all the way to the end of that room. Hear me. Jesus knows every hurt. Jesus knows every, listen, hang up and every habit. Sheila and Tom, for you guys. Listen, every habit that you will ever have or will have ever in your life. He knows everything about you. And when you talk to him humbly in prayer, listen to this. He will embrace you with his love and say, I have been there and experienced that. And he says this, I understand. Jesus understands what you've been through like no other person. And lastly this morning, number five, Jesus became a man to secure our hope in heaven. Amen. Amen. That's right. He secures our hope. Secure. Which means when you're secure, it's secure. When it's locked tight and it's sealed, it's sealed up this once and for all time, for all eternity. When you're sealed and you're saved, it comes in one time and for all. You get saved once and for all time. You can't lose it. Why? Because you didn't save yourself. Jesus saved you. Amen. If he saved you, he's going to keep you. If he saved you, he keeps you. He seals you until your last breath and you stand in his presence. If you really trust Jesus, you're saved. Amen. You see, Jesus came down so that you could go up. Amen. 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 Listen, last week I had a couple of folks that were uh, fellows were putting me in my kitchen cabinets. I had a discussion with one young man, his name was Jeff. And we got talking out there in the song away. And he told me he wasn't a religious man. <laughs> but I told him, I said, that's an interesting thing you say there. I said, you know why? And he knows I'm a pastor. I said, I'm not a religious man either. <laughs> he said, what? <laughs> I said, no, man. I said, no. I said, Jesus came to me. And Jesus will come to you. And Jesus will touch your heart. And he will lead you to himself. Listen, so many people in our world get it all wrong. This is what I wanted to share with you guys. In fact, I want to share this scripture first. Listen to this. Colossians 1.27 says this. To whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is most of us in this Jew here, which is Christ in you, underscore that in you, the hope of glory. It's about Christ in you, the hope of all glory. It's all Christ until Jesus comes into your heart of a person 
that person is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Until Jesus comes into your heart, you cannot get to heaven. Jesus has to come into your heart. And this is where I wanted to kind of show this to you. I did this back when I first came. Yeah. I mean, I Careful. <laughs> <laughs> this is my Christmas sweater, even. <laughs> this is my Christmas letter. This is why I call it Christmas letter. Because there's a lot of people who celebrate Christmas, right? And maybe some of us here, we think that, that listen, for us to be with Jesus, right? To be in heaven, to go to heaven. Some of you might think this, well, I hope you don't. But I hope, but, but I just want to explain to you, this is not how you get to heaven. Some people say, I talked to them about, are you going to heaven? Oh, yeah. Why? Because I'm a good person. So this is what they're doing. They're climbing up this ladder to get to heaven. I'm a good person. Man. I don't cuss, but every now and then, guess what? They just fell off the ladder. <laughs> right? And so some of these guys will realize that they fell off the ladder. Right? Well, listen, I give, I give money to charity. I go to church. I don't drink. Right? Then all of a sudden they take a drink. Guess what happens? And this is the way they live their life. All of their life, they live their life like this. Then they got to start over again. They got to start over again. Okay, 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 God. Help me here, God. Okay, okay. I'm a good person. I don't cuss anymore. I don't drink. Right? They're trying to get up this ladder. Right? I treat everybody fairly. Oh, except for I did wrong with my neighbor. And then they fall off the ladder again. Is that you this morning? There's some people that are that way. They think because, listen, they have messed up. That they, that they fall off the ladder, the Christmas ladder to heaven. The truth is, get this this morning. When Jesus saved you, you cannot be saved by doing anything. That's why it's grace. That's why it's unmerited. It's his mercy and his grace. He loves you by his grace and mercy. There is nothing, when you receive Christ, there's nothing that you can do to get interest into heaven. You've got to come to Christ alone. Amen. By faith alone. There's no other way. You surrender your life to Jesus Christ and ask him to save your soul. This is, what he does is he takes you from here and he takes you all the way to the top. Oh, praise God. <laughs> it's a little higher than five years ago. <laughs> Steady as I was <laughs> Although I'm going all right. But listen, Jesus takes you from the ground floor to the heavenly floor. He sets you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Listen, if you're a Christian here today, you are already seated in heavenly places. Ephesians teaches us that. Right? So listen, quit worrying about whether you're good enough. No, we're not. None of us are good enough. None of us are worthy. None of us. None of us are good enough. This is what's so beautiful about the nativity and what Jesus did for you and for me. Get out of here. I know I'm making y'all nervous. I know, I know the time that I did it five years ago, I would zip up there and I threw my leg over the top and it didn't move. Everybody like, ooh, everybody ooh. And I said, you know, that was stupid. <laughs> Praise the Lord for the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus said it again. I am the way. Say it with me. I am the way. 
And listen, even when it don't make sense, you trust the Lord. Even when it's difficult, you trust the Lord. Even when you think you can't do it, listen, you can't do it. That's true. Jesus has to do it through you, but you've got to walk in obedience to his word. His word is so important to follow. And when we all do that as the body of Christ, and we're walking in his word, and when we do these magnificent things like the life activity, so that the power shows up, the power shows off, and the power goes out because we're all in one mind. We're all in one accord. We're here to please the Savior. We're not here to please ourselves. We're not here for accolades. We're not here for money. We're not here for none of that. We're here to glorify the one who saved our wretched souls. Right. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. I thank you for the nativity. I thank you, Lord, that you didn't go back on your promises, Lord. Somebody had to die. And Lord, you chose to save your son to die. That God would die on a cross for all of us to take care of our sin. What a precious thing. All of our sins. Even the ones we haven't confessed yet. Lord, you died for all of us. Help us this morning to confess our sins. Help us to trust you with all of our heart. Help us to lean not on our understanding, but in all ways acknowledge you, and you will direct our path and make it absolutely straight, laser beam straight. You will make it. If we would just give it to you and surrender to you. Well, there are people here that may be uncomfortable right now. That's because God is speaking to your heart. Make it right with God today. Don't put it off. Because it'll be harder the next time. <coughs> Lord, I pray that somebody in the sound of my voice, they don't know you as Savior, that they would ask you, Jesus, to come into their heart and to save their soul. And that they would repent of their sin. Which means they would turn around and stop the sin and turn towards you, Jesus, and chase you down for the rest of their life. You just tell me. He's listening right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Lord, come into my heart. Lord, I can't seem to quit doing this one thing. I can't quit doing these many things. Whatever. Lord, I give it to you today. I really sincerely mean to give it to you today. Lord, help me through this wretched position I'm in.
It's so important to know Christ Jesus, your Savior, to your, know your names in the real land of life and never be erased. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for our time together this morning. We thank you for the nativity. We thank you for what this week means. I praise you for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I want y'all to do me a favor. When you come out on the right-hand side, there's a bunch of movie tickets. I don't want to see any more left on the table. Here, they ain't gonna do no good sitting on that table all week when you guys are going to and fro. Because some of you are already shopping. Some of you already have to give them a ticket. Give them, just give it to them. Don't even say, say, hey, here's a movie at our church Friday night. Hey, I just want to. I like to say, have you celebrate Christmas with us. It's so simple. Just give it away. That's our life as Christians. We give it away, right? And then what we do? We give our life away. Whatever, however that looks, right? I love y'all. God bless you. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas.